You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to episode 34 of the God Center Mom podcast. And today I am lucky enough to get to chat with my good friend, Chris Habashi, and record it. And it's called a ministry. <laughs> I mean, what a gift to be able to, to share with you lovely, fabulous, wonderful, godly women in my life and to allow their knowledge and their gifts and their experiences to encourage and inspire you to be the moms that God wants you to be. Chris is someone who I have just run into over and over and over for years, I did. And then finally we were like, we should probably get together. And then we found out we lived right around the corner from each other. Um, we attend the same church and we're in a boys, a group during the summer for our boys called God's Mighty Warriors. And we've been, this is our fifth summer of doing that. And every time we get together, it's just like chatty, 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 chatty. We can't stop talking. We're both... Um, speech language pathologists. And so we like to talk, but I wanted to have her on the show because she's so insightful and intentional with motherhood. Anytime we talk, she gives me a new perspective on something that I thought I had figured out and it's really helpful. So, um, she and I talk about, first of all, how one separates their kid's behavior from our feeling of, um, value as moms and where do we find our true value uh, and the way she defines it kind of rocked my world. So I hope it helps everyone else. We also talk about the hard things of motherhood and how we just have to do hard things every day and it's okay. It's good and motherhood is hard and let's just accept that, um, which I thought was helpful. And uh, lastly, just some practical ways she has trained her kids to interact with adults and other people. And it was really helpful to me because I've always admired how her kids act. So let's get to it. Hey, Chris, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. It's so good to have you here. Yay. Oh, it's so good to be here, sweet friend. Love and you. And we are enjoying 70 degree weather. I know you oh. and I never talk about the weather because I know. <laughs> we see each other and we're like deep, like boom. Like who cares about exactly. the weather? Who cares about any of that <laughs> But it is lovely outside. It is lovely, and we will be back out there as soon yes. as this is done. Yes, we exactly. are. We are. Uh, we were going to go swimming with friends yesterday. You know the uh, Cronodals. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah, and it was so cool that we were like, we're kind of chilly. I think we'll skip the swimming and just enjoy the fact that we can play outside without sweating. So right. yeah, right. yeah. And, oh yeah, that was July thirty first. Today is August first, and it's even nicer. I think. It is. Yeah, yes. it is. It right. is crazy. Morning at the Arboretum. With oh, that was smart. I know. I know. It was really smart. Who's ever been to the Arboretum on August 1st? This is um, why I didn't even think about it. Yeah. The zoo would have been good. Man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Exactly. Enough Enough the weather. Exactly. 
Okay, so Chris, we've established you have children. Can you, I do. Can you introduce everyone to your family so they can get to know sure, you better? Sure. I have an amazing husband. His name is Jonathan. And then we have three kiddos, um, Jeb, Gareth, and Ruthie. And they are 10, 8, and Ruthie just turned 7. So we're getting into the odd numbers. Yeah. So everybody's just about to be like 11, 9, and 7. Ooh, yeah. So super fun. Two boys and a girl. They are terrific kiddos. And you homeschool them. I do homeschool them. I've homeschooled all along. Um, and this fall, we will, we will be starting our third year, third year, with uh, Classical Conversations, which is a national um, co-op um, that meets, at, happens to meet at our church. And we love that and love the community that's there. So we go once a week, one day a week, kind of a full day. And it's not a drop-off. It's co-op. So I'm there and engaged and really like learning how to teach them better through the week or teach them through the week, whatever it is that we're learning. And, and do they give you a, like a curriculum? They do. They give you basically, basically like a skeleton of a curriculum to follow. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and you sort of add your color and your meat and, you know, like you can make it whatever you want, which is great because when you have kids at different levels, they're all learning in the same direction, but you can go home and tweak it for their age level, for their interest, for your schedule, for your interest, whatever. So your opportunities, you know, field trip resources that you have or library books or whatever. So when you started, I mean, okay, Chris and I share also the profession of speech language pathology, mm-hmm. but you didn't teach beforehand. So how did you feel when you started? How did you feel jumping into it? Were you like, oh, I got this totally easy? Um, You work? know, I don't know that I felt that I will yeah I'm not sure if I ever felt that but yeah but I will say it was um some I feel like some of that part like came a little bit earlier on when I was a speech pathologist I focused on um preschool kids you know Mm -hmm. uh, so three to five year olds so really like that season felt a little a little more like manageable, I guess, you know, not so shocking to me maybe, but at the same time, when they're your kids, it's different, you know? So Mm -hmm. while I might um, intellectually know, oh, kids have different learning styles or our kids learn through repetition or through song or they need whatever, whatever, you know, kinesthetic, I mean, all these different kind of manipulatives, like when you actually bring it home (laughs) and you live it in your life, right? it doesn't quite come out like therapy (laughs) sessions all day, every day, (laughs) you know, because there's still laundry and, and, you know, cooking and all the other things that go along with it. But in, but in light of that as well, I'll say probably what prepared me most for the most for the actual like transition into homeschool was just the fact that we had kind of been at home all along. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't take advantage of like Mother's Day out or preschool or anything like that. Um, you know, really for lots of reasons, one of them just being financial and another just kind of like, I didn't really want the hassle of being somewhere and, you know, having to be somewhere at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning or whatever. Like I just prefer the flexibility of just doing my own thing, you know? So, which meant that we had always been together all along. Yeah. So it wasn't that big of a switch. Exactly. So that part really wasn't the hardest part for me. Um, So did you ever struggle with, okay, as moms and you and I've talked about this, we have this tie to our children where they, their behavior can sometimes feel like a reflection of our ability as moms. Like they behave poorly. I'm a bad mom. Then you are homeschooling and you have this tie of they perform badly in school. I'm a bad teacher. Exactly. Like 
Do you feel the extra burden of that or how have you worked through that opportunity? (laughs) (laughs) Good word. Yeah. Love that word. Um, Yes, I do. I I wrestle with that. I'm just going to say that because I don't always, anyway, my, here's, here's my process to, to work through that um, thought that often comes, which I will say is a lie. I'm just going to call it that. It's a lie. Um, Yes. The lie that comes that says that my value is based on not only their behavior, but now their academic performance. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. But but really gets into, um, well, first of all, knowing what the truth is. So if we're calling that a lie, we'll set that aside. Now let's look at what the truth is. The truth that I, that I am valuable, um, because I am a child of a king, I am right. Jesus's and I am his, and he has paid such a price for me that he is valuable, you yeah. know, and I am co-heir. I am a co-heir with him. So my value is just in the sense that he lives in me. Right. So that's where my value comes from. But in light of that, how my response to that truth that I am valuable in him is my, um, obviously my love for him and my appreciation to him and my, um, you know, wanting, wanting to know who he is and what he says and the way God has designed it works best. Mm. Right. So God's design is best. So if I love and revere and honor my father and my savior, I'm going to want to look at what they say and I'm going to value what they say is the best way for me. Mm. And in doing that comes my motivation to obey him, right? If I look at what he's the way he set out for us, I mean, we'll just start with the obvious 10 commandments, right? Um, So obeying them, he says, it will go well with you, right? Right. Right. To obey because he's created us. He knows how we work. He knows what is going to be effective in our lives and to, um, and a way for us to move forward in our lives and thrive, not just survive on this earth and white knuckle it till we get to heaven, but to really be able to enjoy his presence. He set up a way for that, right? Yeah. And, and in that, in that motivation to obey comes my rest in him that when I obey him, then the overflow of my obedience is the blessing to others. Mm. That includes my kids. That includes my husband. That includes my friends. That includes, you know, people I don't know, whatever it might be. But when my motivation is to, is to obey him because he knows best and he's given me clear boundaries in which to thrive, then you're like, oh, okay, I don't have to do this in order to get my value. I am valuable and I want to do this. And then comes the blessing. It's right. like the whole opposite order, of course. It's like God's your primary, upside down. <laughs> it's your primary relationship with God, less concerned exactly. with, it's not like you start with your kids. Exactly. And then exactly. move from there. Your primary relationship is God and making sure exactly. you're good there. And then the overflows to your spouse and it overflows to your kids and it overflows. And that's just on top of exactly which is what he said. I mean, right. That's what he said. So a friend brought um, this James patches to, to my attention recently, which I've just been like 
savoring over. Can I read it real fast? Yeah, do it. Okay, James, it's James. It? Yeah, James 1, 19 to like, I don't know, maybe 25 or something like this. But um, So it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Okay, I could really just like hang out there for something. <laughs> I think you were talking with the, me about that in June. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. It says for human anger, I keep going for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. So put away all filth and evil excess and humil and, and humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. And I'm like, Oh wait, welcome the message. Well, what message was that? Well, first of all, I know it's able to save my soul because that's what he said. Mm. And, and the sense of save is not just like, like my eternal salvation, but the the word here is like deliver, forgive, heal, mm-hmm. make whole. So if I want to make my soul whole, if I want to deliver and heal my soul, I'm going to dwell on the message that was implanted in me, mm-hmm. right? That Jesus is my salvation and then it's only in him and for him for me to live, right? That's where thriving comes from. Mm. Okay. So it goes on and says, be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? And so deceive yourselves. Okay. So hang with this a little bit. For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in a mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Mm. But the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes his attention there and does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed in what he does. Mm. Okay. So when I read this law of liberty, I'm like, wait, those are opposites. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like who, like you never put law and liberty. I mean, in my thought process, law is burden and liberty is freedom. Right. But I'm like, what is this perfect law of liberty? Like, mm. But in doing what the word says and following this message that's been implanted in me, which saves my soul, which makes my soul thrive, which is Jesus, Mm. then I'm allowed the perfect law of liberty and freedom to then, which which it says, he will bless you. He would bless him what he does. I will be blessed in what I do. I'm Mm. like, wow. Mm. That's good. (laughs) Again. Very opposite from what most of the world says, where you look at a problem, you start with a problem, and you fix all the symptoms around it, and it goes away. Right. Right? Right. God's economy is upside down, (laughs) backwards, opposite from what we think. Right. So I forgot what the question was. It was was about (laughs) finding your – no, no, that was good because it was about your kids being your – Finding right. a value in their behavior exactly. or in their right, performance right, right. in so school. So you're not just starting with the behavior going, I got to fix that. Yeah, or the embarrassment like, or like it exactly. gets rid of all that because exactly. that is just. I have to control that. I have to make that go away because I look like an awful mom if I'm not, right? Because I look like a failure or a bad teacher or whatever it is. So how do you handle, do your, I mean, I've been around your kids. They're very sweet and they're very awesome and you know that. But if they do something horrible, mm-hmm. which maybe they have. Horrible. Oh, and you don't have to tell me what they did, but <laughs> let's say yeah. they do something horrible in public or, you know, for whatever reason, we view the church more sacred. They do it in church. Yeah. It's even worse <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Things. Like, how do you handle it? Like, what is your response? What is your process that you take yourself through so that you respond in a way that doesn't reveal that? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if my value well, isn't come through that, then. 
Right. We still have but a fleshly I'm gonna, reaction. I'm going to be real honest. Yeah. And I'm probably going to start it. I'm going to start at the back end here, which usually ends up with my confession. I'm just going to say that really yeah. like up front, which, which my point is I usually don't handle it well in the moment. Mm. But yeah. it doesn't take away from my opportunity to let the Lord redeem it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So maybe in the moment, I'm like, what? I can't believe it. Right? Like right, I'm right. like, kind yeah. of blowing up. How yeah. could you? Whatever. But really, I, I, my, my prayer, and I will say often my response is to, 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 to confess, to come back and say, okay, whatever it might be, mm. you know, maybe I overreacted or I was disrespectful or whatever it was, but would you forgive me? Mm. And, and I get right with them. And then I say, okay, but look, this was not okay. And here's why. And to mm. really have that conversation about why that was not okay right. and what and take that as the opportunity um, mm-hmm. for teaching and and really one other thing I'll say is whether it's whether it's something horrible which yes we've had that or something sort of little whatever the case might be is just um, I try again not always to do just to do the hard thing which is something not nothing right right, right. you um, and I talked about that yeah yes like that mothering so, is hard. Exactly. Mothering exactly. is hard. Like you can't just, yeah, yeah, you can't right. just let Which, it go. It, yeah, from what our conversation the other day that you and I had was like, I feel so strongly that so many women have just really, again, bought into the lie that, you know, motherhood is um, it's easy or not, not really the hard thing in life are in the world to do. And of course, you know, and I would say in, in the, in the Christian circle, it feels like, I don't think we've lost the value of it. Like it's good to stay home, you know, to invest in your kids or to be a mother and to like pour, you know, f- fully invest in the next generation to love your kids, all those kind of things. I think that we get that. But in the part that it's hard, I think is shocking. I think we think it's hard to, um, to, to give up our own, Exactly. Comfort right. and convenience. Right. That's where well, that's, that's where people have right. the rub. Like exactly. I just want to be able right. to go to the bathroom and I can't mm-hmm. or I just want to mm-hmm. clean house and I don't. That's where mm-hmm. that's where most of the conversation around hard exactly. is is right. about and that's how what I was about our today. lives are affected. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Hard can be find, defined in so many different ways. Yeah. And really this lesson came to light when I started saying it to my kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Oh wait, motherhood is hard too." But hard can be boring. Mm. It can be lonely. Mm. It can be, I don't like who I'm doing it with. Mm. It can be isolating. It can be just physically hard and tiring. And I don't know how I'm going to make it because I didn't sleep at all last night because I was up with the sick or nursing or whatever it might be. Right. And this season can be hard to where Mm. it feels like it doesn't end. It won't ever end. It won't ever change. All of this hard can be for different reasons. But the thing that it came out with, again, when I started saying this to my kids is like, just in their, like their piano (laughs) for my boys, we, you know, just as homeschool, we have decided that music will be a part of our homeschool life. So they take piano. Well, you know, they, sports comes a little easier for them. So piano is something that's hard. (laughs) So they say, this is hard. I'm like, okay, you know what? And so I, my first comment was like, you're going to do something hard every single day of your life. Mm. You know how I know that? Because I do something hard every single day of my life. Right. I'm like, we well, got to decide right now. What are we, what are you going to do when it gets hard? Mm. What are you going to do when it gets hard? What am I going to do when it gets hard? Am I going to lower my standard? 
Right. Am I going to change my standard? Am I going to change it or am I going right. to give up? Am I going to whine? Am I going to complain? Am I going to try to get out of it? What am I going to do? Distract. When I get home? Distract. Distract. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I, um, I, I asked them and I asked myself that often. And, and like you and I were saying in this conversation we had the other day, like sometimes hard just means I'm going to stop a really great conversation with a friend because my, my two-year-old said mm-hmm. stupid head. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that one of my little things, you probably heard me say this before, but one of our little mottos, which kind of goes back to the whole obedience thing, it's life works better when we obey. Mm-hmm. And I say that to me, I've said that to them like kind of forever, like since they were two, but it is one of those things that hmm, I think we all learn best in repetition, right? Because mm-hmm. once I say it over and over, not only to them, but to me yeah. is like, is obedience. And again, when I, when I'm obeying, when I'm doing the hard thing, as stepping away from a great conversation with a friend or a nap or a book or whatever it is, but to do something in the moment that requires my attention. It's inconvenient, but it's an act of obedience to to my father who's given me this job to train my children, Right. right? And to require for them. And I'll just say too, like, we obviously all need great conversations with friends. Hello. Right. You of all people know that about me, right. that I know that, and I live that, and I love that, and I live for it. Like that moms shouldn't live in a cave and only cater to their kids is not what you're saying. Yeah, That is absolutely not what I'm saying. And you do not always need to drop everything for your children. That's right. not what I mean. But to create a world where those needs get met appropriately, uh, everyone's needs. Right. which requires some intentional intentional planning ahead, right? Yeah. So um, you've probably heard me talk about my Friday nights. So oh, yeah. Tell everyone Friday about your Friday nights. nights. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like oh, the yeah. The gift that my husband's ever given me. But like every single Friday night, and really since my oldest was about 18 months old, and he's almost 11. So every Friday night, I get dinner ready. He comes home from work, and I walk out the door. And I have the whole evening to myself, mm-hmm. not in front of my laundry or my dirty house or my closet that needs reorganizing. I take my Bible, and I go away. It's usually like a Cafe Express where you can, like, be alone but not alone. You know, like yeah. you don't have to talk to people or whatever yeah. or tip. <laughs> yeah. But you can just sit and be by yourself and get to a place of hearing from the Lord, be still and know that I am God, so that he can come and minister to my soul there. Because you can't just get that in, in the five minutes here and there. And don't get me wrong, the five minutes here and there. No, it's kind of like your Sabbath. It's your Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah. It's the time I set aside to be with the Lord. Yeah. And to hear from him and worship him and know him. And you've protected it. You've protected it. I very much protect it. And so is my husband because he has seen what it is for me. But I say that as an example to say that is built into my life because I know I need it. I'm not going to be good without it. But so my five, you know, I don't say five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is daily that I get to spend with the Lord, they're a little more interruptible. I'm a little more interruptible, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's not where I'm solely looking to meet my need. That's your, not your Lord. foundation. That's like exactly. just your like it's like daily my bread. It's your yeah, daily yeah, bread. Exactly. It's not your, it's your sustenance. Until I get there. Whatever. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But the same with, with my kids. So if I, if we're sitting at the dinner table, if I haven't built into their lives time for them to get out and run around and go be at the Arboretum and swimming pool or whatever it is, or the gym when it's raining, whatever, then when I sit at the dinner table, they, they aren't ready to 
be people who can sit still. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah because they, they haven't need had their, yeah, to yeah. get it out. They yeah. absolutely need to get it out. And I, as the manager of their schedules, need to figure out a way for them to do that so that it can, I can have an appropriate expectation, right, of outside play, inside play, sitting at the table, sitting in church, waiting at the doctor's office. All those things are hard. Nobody said they weren't hard. Of course, they're hard. They're hard for me. I mean, I don't like to do that either. But what are we going to do to set up our lives so that I can can honestly say, it's not time for you to play. You did that earlier. Now it's time for you to learn to be still. Right. Right. And and have a reasonable expectation that in this 30 minutes, you can sit still. Right. So that I'm not saying to myself, oh, maybe they can't sit still. Oh, maybe they, maybe I didn't, maybe they need to run around. Well, mm-hmm. now's not the time for that. And I appreciate this shit. Well, I should have taken them to the park before we came to the doctor's office. But you know, you learn yeah. that. You yeah. learn how to, or you learn how to say, I'll take you to the park after, but you have to sit still hard now. Right. Hard well, thing. Well, and let's talk to- about like, when you're out and about, someone always told me that's the test. That's not Absolutely. the training time. Absolutely. The training happens at home. The training happens repetitively. Mm-hmm. Training mm-hmm. is hard. I know I've told you before I get so mad when I'm like, I've already taught you this. Like, why aren't you learning anything? Exactly. So what tips can you give us for like training? Because I know that you have systems. You're consistent. You, Mm -hmm. you know, have expectations of your kids. Like, what are some of your expectations of your kids? What are phrases that you say, um, behavior that you've worked on? Whether it's how they handle interrupting you, whether it's how they handle talking to adults, what kind of things have you built into your kids? And have okay. I have I made so too long you, of a question? Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. I just want to, so you're like like practical things. Like yeah, like I'm like just. I see your boys. Pro- I see your boys. Yeah. I see how they behave, and I know that doesn't doesn't happen overnight. So, what intentional things did you did you say these are priorities to us? Boom, boom, boom. Okay. We're gonna make sure that our kids are yeah. trained on these things. So I'm just thinking you said with adults, so we um, are very um, intentional about telling them to make eye contact, respond, and don't ignore people. And that doesn't go just go for adults. That goes for kids, too. And that was that was kind of hard when I one of my um, sons was he's, he's a more of an introvert. And even around the house, like between his brother and sister, like they would kind of say something to him and he just kind of didn't feel like talking at the moment. So he didn't. And I'm like, you can't ignore people. That's that's not respectful. That's not kind. You can't do that. And if you want to say, I don't feel like talking right now or something like that, or if you just want to look at them and wave or whatever it is, but you can't just ignore them like they don't exist. So as they're getting older, you know, as they've grown up, they know like we don't ignore people. And if someone says something to you, you need to acknowledge them. You can smile. You don't have to be chatty Kathy, but you got to do something like you can't. Well, they do. do. They'll look right at me and they'll smile. Oh, good. Yeah, they totally do. But I think, like, how do you train? Like, do you practice at home? Like, do you role play? We've done that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Jonathan is actually, he's great at that. He'll be, like, with the handshakes. He's good about the handshakes. Like, you know, like, this is the way men shake hands, that kind of thing. Okay, the interruption we did. uh, He and I. You know how you cycle through things yeah. and you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. we're getting really lax on this. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's go over the basics here, right? So we were sitting out in the backyard the other day on a Saturday and he and I were talking and it was like, I mean, one after another, after another, after another of interruptions. And we're like, okay, 
<laughs> family meeting, impromptu family meeting. So we, again, kind of talked over, here's what we're going to do. So daddy and I are talking and, um, you know, you have something to say, you come up and do touch us. And I then like put my hand on you knowing I hear you. I know you're there. Wait just a minute. Mm. The other person finishes. And then I look at you and I say, Yes, it's your turn, right? Yeah. So, and then we role played. We, uh, Jonathan and I were talking about something and they came up and they interrupted and all that. So, I, and then that's because what they were doing before, they were running up going, Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, my, 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 excuse me. It's like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Yeah. Just because you say excuse me a thousand times doesn't mean you're being respectful. Right. Totally. Anyway, so you kind of have to, yes, we role play. We go, uh, we repeat the basics a lot. I'll just say that. We, um, Go back to some pretty, you know, yes ma'ams, no ma'ams. Of course, the reminders before you drop off or before you go play with a friend. Um, and really, like, I think it uh, one or two times, I, I, I always remind them that this is always, an, this, that this is an option that we'll just leave. Mm. Like, if this is not going well, we'll leave. Like, if, if I, you know, the, the, play, me, the, the play date, the whatever, we'll leave. And I can only remember once ever actually leaving Mm. but you know what they know i will right you're you're true to your word yeah exactly and i think um a sweet friend told me one time like it doesn't wait of course she had it such such a clever way to put it but you really big consequences to small things go a really long way Mm. (laughs) right so when you're willing and i don't mean like inappropriate consequences you know like not like killing a gnat with a bazooka kind of thing and I, but in the sense of like, okay, for me, I was, cause I remember this day. I was so excited to be with my friend. I so needed to just chat, whatever. And it was pretty soon after we got there. And I'm like, I just uh, looked at her and I was like, like oh, I have to keep you up have to the, leave. the hard you thing, have to leave. the hard thing. And that was really hard for me. It was mm. hard for them. They don't want to leave. And, but you know what? It really hasn't ever happened again. It's never gotten to that because I did it. I did it that one time. Mm. And it just says that I'm willing to do it, right? And mm. and I will say, too, like, I, I and just going back to the whole interruption thing, like, this probably happened, this little life lesson, whatever, role play thing, maybe like three or four weeks ago. But because we were very intentional about it, we talked about it, we talked about why, we talked about clear expectations, and it it has really gone a lot better, it's mm. lasted a lot longer than I thought it would, which d- usually happens with big, with lessons like that. It's, you know, if you see a cycle coming along and moving along and you're like, oh, this is going to, it feels like it's going to take forever to undo. Yeah. But it usually doesn't. Like yeah. usually if you just stick to your guns and maybe make it, you know, pretty a, a significant like um, whether it's taking away privileges or something that really motivates them, a significant statement, right, that yeah. really takes away something of value, whatever you want to do, whatever you, however you approach it, but something that's meaningful to them. And if you stick to it, it doesn't take as long to undo as it did to come. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway. No, that makes total sense. But I think, again, being willing to do the hard thing, right? Yeah. Totally. Whatever the hard thing is for you. Being willing to do the hard thing. What a good word. I hope you are encouraged by Chris. And I know this is an odd place to end the interview. And that's because Chris and I just kept talking. And we talked for another 30 minutes. So I had the brilliant idea to just split the interview up. And uh, next week, August 11th, I will be publishing part two. 
So this is part one. If you're listening after August 11th, then you are lucky you get to listen to both back to back. But for the rest of you, cliffhanger. Um, and Chris will be back next week with some more wisdom and insight uh, and specifically on uh, interactions with her boys and helping me <laughs> get some tips on how to work on uh, sibling relationships and fighting and uh, just how to handle boy aggression and rites of passage and all kinds of really great stuff. So stay tuned for the next part of Chris Habishy's interview. Thanks, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.